0: From the weed free studios of rodale institute radio at pbs 39 wlvt in bethlehem pa it's time for another firefly protecting episode of chemical free horticultural hijinks you bet your garden i'm your host mike McGrath. what should you reply if your landscapers say they want to use preen on today's show we'll reveal what's in the package why it's banned for use in the european union and the devastating effects these herbicides can have on the natural order Otherwise, it's time for a phone call show, cats and kittens. Yes, we will be taking that heap and helping of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and seriously sanguine salutations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than a yard full of lightning bugs flashing, I love you because you just said no and picked up a hoe right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by The Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners. School bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden from Rodale Institute Radio at the studios of WLVT, PBS39 in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, what should you do if someone wants to preen your landscape? We'll tell you what's in that stuff, why it's banned in the European Union, and exactly what it harms in the environment. But mostly it's going to be a fun phone call show today. Cats and kittens, we're taking that heap and helping. At 833-727-95, 8 plus 8. Bethany, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I am just ducky today, Beth. Thanks for asking. How are you?
1: Good, pretty good.
0: And where is Beth pretty good?
1: Um, I'm calling from Montoursville, Pennsylvania, outside Williamsport.
0: Oh, okay. Um, what can we do you for?
1: I'm having some trouble with my raised beds, my square foot gardens. Right. Um, so I it with the one-third uh, peat moss, vermiculite, and compost, which my local nursery said was yard waste compost with pine bark. And I would emailed you and said... Um, My plants are yellowing and slow-growing. I think it's the pine bark tying up nitrogen. And you said, absolutely. It gave me a solution. Well, there's an update. I went back to my garden center and asked for a refund. And they said that the compost that they had said was yard waste compost with pine bark was actually no pine bark. And they gave me a data sheet, and it's 50% uh, cow compost with bedding and uh, horse manure bedding all rotted down. Um, and I was wondering if I, if you have any advice for helping my square foot garden not be terrible.
0: Well, I, I hope you're going to find a new garden center. That's truly (laughs) weird. Um, now when you, when you first got the, uh, the load of quote yard waste compost, was there visible wood chips in it?
1: Yes, but not big chunks.
0: Okay. So now they're saying, oops, we thought we were selling you a car. Uh, it's honest mistake. It's a Boeing uh, 737. <laughs> so now they're saying it's half-composted cow manure and half-composted horse manure?
1: Um, the data sheet that I got from my garden center says, that that's what it is, yeah.
0: Okay. And does it look like that came from an independent company or just something they typed up?
1: Yes, I yes, it's like ten pages. There's the printout from the company itself, and then an independent lab. Um, I assume it's indep- It's a lab in Maine that gave like the analysis of it. Okay. And I uh, also I also emailed the company of the compost, which is down in Lancaster, where I'm from, mm-hmm. and they um, said that they don't recommend their compost to fill a raised bed any more than 15 to 20%, but 20% maxing out.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, isn't it nice to find this out on the back end?
1: Yeah, (laughs) yes, I've lost sleep over this.
0: Yeah, well, no, don't, because you didn't make any mistake. You got uh, hornswoggled. Okay, so you don't have that report in front of you, do you?
1: Um, Yeah, I can grab it.
0: Okay, Uh, please do so. I, I want to know the NPK rating and the pH.
1: Sure. The N rating is 1.7. Do you want dry results or wet results?
0: Uh, give me both.
1: The wet result for nitrogen is 1, and the dry is 1.7. The wet result for phosphorus is 0. 0.7, and dry is 1.2. Um, the potassium is 1.2 wet and 2 dry, and the pH is is 8.46. Yo!
0: We have a winner! Was
1: it the pH? Yeah, okay. it's the
0: pH. Uh, the, right. the pH should be down at 7. And okay. I know it doesn't sound like it's it's a huge difference, but it is, because it's like decibels. It's, okay. it's not a straightforward thing. So, um, I, you know, it's early enough in the season you could replace the plants, right? You just want to have a season.
1: Yeah, I'll just cry a little, but I, I can do that.
0: Okay. Do you think they're worth saving? I mean, uh, we we can try this, and they can try greening up.
1: Um, I have three kids under six. I need easy.
0: Okay, okay. So um, the peat moss, the fact that uh, the peat moss is in there should be good, because we we haven't really tested your garden. So you got peat moss. Did you say vermiculite? Yes. And compost about one-third each? Yes. You should be able to bring the pH down quickly um, with elemental sulfur.
2: Okay.
0: Something you can buy in a bag at a garden center. And sulfur's been used in gardening and farming since the times of the ancient Romans. Um, It's going to be a little difficult to um how how big are your raised beds how many do you have
1: um i have the equivalent of four by four by six inches Mm -hmm. with a total of eight beds
0: okay so you got eight four by fours yes that's a nice little garden i would try um and and are they fully planted now
1: Um, I would say they're three-quarters. I think I'm waiting another week to put in. Well, I was waiting to talk to you to put in the last of the summer stuff.
0: Okay, good, good. Uh, So what I'm going to suggest, buy a bag of elemental sulfur. I'm going to ballpark that we should put a cup of it in each of your 4 by 4 raised beds. Okay. Sprinkle it around and then cover it with... um, you know, maybe at this point, buy a bag of premium compost, like something from coast to Maine. Um, yes, or, I
1: have a bunch outside.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. So, uh, spread a cup of elemental sulfur around, and then um, cover the sulfur with the good compost. That'll physically activate it. If it okay, is, you
1: recommend you would recommend about one bag per bed when it's about a cubic foot per bag, per
0: bed? If you can afford it, absolutely, because this is gonna add more neutralizing agents and better material to your beds. Okay. So, and do that in all eight of your beds. The most pH-sensitive plants should begin to respond within a few days. Um, Okay. But it's absolutely essential that you cover the elemental sulfur after you spread it around. That'll bioactivate it.
1: Okay. If I'm not seeing results in a few days, what do you think I should do? Get, start all over?
0: If you're not seeing results in in a few days, I would get a soil test kit or some sort of reliable pH meter um, because that's definitely what's happening. Um, you should okay. never have been sold something with a pH that high. It only goes up to 10. I mean, that's like the alkali salt flats that you have there.
1: Oh, okay. Well, sounds good.
0: But again, I mean, at this time of year, things grow quickly. The garden centers still have everything. It may be a little extra work if you have to replace the plants, but you'll still get a great harvest.
1: I was hoping that you would say something like that. Sounds great. All right.
0: My pleasure. Good luck to you.
1: I need it. Thank you.
0: <laughs> send, sending my good garden vibes to you. Good spirits. Good spirits save our garden.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you.
0: The number to call is 833-727-9588. Shauna. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Shauna. Good How to be are here. You? Oh, it's nice to have you here. Where where is here for you?
2: I am in the piney woods deep
0: east Texas. Okay. East Texas. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm about two hours north of Houston.
0: Okay. All right. Um, what can we do? And uh, your name is perfect for Texas. I mean, did you?
2: Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. you, you should hear my middle name. I'm not going to say it. But oh,
0: come on. What it, is it?
2: it? It's Sue. So I'm Shauna Sue. So I said oh, i here. perfectly
0: Excellent. And and how many pair of cowboy boots do you own, Shauna Sue?
2: Funnily enough, I don't own any cowboy boots. <gasps> I used used to. I bought a pair to wear to the rodeo one time.
0: Uh huh. They're going to trade you to Georgia. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they are. (laughs) All right. What can we do for Shauna in East Texas?
2: Well, a friend of mine called me a couple of days ago and said, "Shauna, get over here quick. Bring a truck. My neighbor is digging up her rose of Sharon." Mm hmm. Um, I get over there with the truck, and this is an 11 foot tall rose of Sharon that is just beautiful has blooms all over it, um, I get it home, um, keeping the roots moist while i 'm digging the hole
0: okay, so good
2: get it in the hole, um, cover it up, and now I have no clue what to do with it. Um, I have another rose of Sharon that is growing on the other side of my yard mm-hmm. and it 's done well, but it 's been there for like twenty years right so i don 't know when to prune i don 't know what to prune um, I, I put some compost in the soil to amend it a little bit before I put it in the hole so I hope I did the right thing
0: Uh, sometimes uh, sometimes that's a bad idea I don't think it's a bad idea in this case how sandy is your soil
2: it's it's very sandy
0: yeah that was my thinking yeah that's uh when you mix compost with sand you get the the best of all possible worlds you get a rich soil that drains well so that that was that that was actually a, a very good idea um okay and, be, you know, because you don't want to mix, you, you don't want to improve the hole when you have clay soil. Um, you want to force the roots to go out into that soil. But there's no need to force roots when you got sandy soil. They can just take off. Why did the okay. guy have to get rid of it at, at a prime time?
2: I don't know. They they just dug it up. They dug up that and, um, like, four crepe myrtles. Oh,
0: my goodness. Um,
2: yeah, and they, uh, they were just going to throw them out for... Um, the city to come and pick up and take to the landfill
0: right and the crepe myrtles had barely started to bloom yet
2: i know and i was going to get the crepe myrtles too but there were hardly any roots left on them so i didn't want to fiddle with that i
0: hardly know what i'm doing i hardly know what i'm doing anyway so what are these people thinking all right exactly (laughs) um i think uh, you did you know obviously if you could have done it at a different time of year that would have been sensational um, either in the what you call winter or in the spring would have been ideal. Um, right now, uh, uh, did any parts break off or die off or anything like that during the transfer?
2: Yes, there were about four broken branches on it.
0: Okay, did, um, did you prune those it, off?
2: I went ahead and pruned those good, off.
0: Good, good, good.
2: Um, but I, just, I, I need to know, like, do I prune now? I, I, no,
0: no, no. I've got No, information. No, no. Um, uh, uh, the Rosa Sharon, which is a, a hardy hibiscus, is a summer bloomer. At least it is in my garden. It may be a spring bloomer for you guys. Um, so the advice for most summer bloomers is you don't prune them until new growth appears in the spring. Now, where you are, this plant could be evergreen over the winter. I'm not sure how cold your winters get.
2: The, the other one, the other one that I have in my yard, yeah. it usually stays green until yeah, so about then, November, and then it starts dying off.
0: Okay, uh, that's good. That's good. Because now you have, you have the other one to compare with. So right. you, you don't want to do any cutting now. You want to enjoy the flowers. Um, you want to let a hose drip at the base of this newly installed plant for a couple of hours, two or three times a week if you don't get rain, because your, your hot season is now, right?
2: Oh, oh yes. We're miserable right now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Now, if you get rain, you can back off on the watering. But especially through the summer, uh, and you don't want to throw water at it or, you, you know, uh, anything like that. You just want to let a hose drip at the base for several hours uh, to really saturate the soil. Do that two or three times a week. Don't do it if we get rain. And then when fall, or at least, again, what passes for fall where you are comes in, you can back off a bit. Um, follow the lead of the other plant that does uh, drop its leaves in late in the game in November. AND THEN JUST LET THE PLANTS BE EITHER UNTIL JANUARY OR UNTIL THEY START TO GREEN UP AGAIN IN THE SPRING. WITH MINE, WHICH NEEDS PRUNING TO to KEEP UNDER CONTROL, I GENERALLY ATTACK IT IN THE WINTER, WHICH IS GOOD, BECAUSE THERE'S NO LEAVES THERE. YOU CAN SEE THE FORM. YOU CAN CUT OFF LARGE SECTIONS. JUST DON'T REMOVE MORE THAN ONE-THIRD OF THE PLANT IN ANY GIVEN SEASON. So okay. prune it in okay. the winter or the spring. And it's because these flowers appear, the flower buds appear after the plant starts growing. You're not gonna reduce the number of flowers uh, by pruning in the spring. So it's not a spring bloomer. Um, okay. and, and really that's it. And the only time to, you wanna prune it is, is to keep its size in check or if it's, in, you know, if it's encroaching on a walkway or something like that. Mine was actually covering my mailbox for a while.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Well, well I, I like your advice because that means that I don't have to get out there and prune it in this heat.
0: Oh, no, no. You don't want to prune anything in this heat uh, that's healthy.
2: Okay, perfect. Um, and so water just a couple of times a week unless it rains. That was another of my questions. I didn't know if I was giving it too much or no. too little.
0: No, because you when
2: I do water it's just a slow drip, a slow and steady that's drip. That's perfect.
0: That's perfect okay. for a couple of hours, yeah, because your soil doesn't hold water
2: yeah it does it just runs right through it
0: yeah that's why you want to go slow that's the best chance to saturate what's there and if you have more compost put that on top of the soil
2: okay great yeah i have a whole bunch of it at home that i need to use
0: excellent excellent that's a great and then put the drip hose on top of the compost and you'll be given in a gentle feeding as you water
2: okay great all right well mike thank you so much i I really hope that this tree does well It's, it's Right now, it's 11 feet tall, so.
0: Almost guaranteed. These are super hardy plants, Shauna.
2: Perfect. All right. Well, I enjoy your show, and it's because of you that my yard looks pretty, so.
0: Well, thank you. That's very kind.
2: All right. Well, thank you, and I hope you have a wonderful
0: week. Mm, Thank you again. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will appear in Philadelphia on Tuesday, July 16th, to host an evening of horticultural quizzo at the PHS Pop-Up Garden on South Street. But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back to get you all preened up and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the Rodale Institute Radio Studio at PBS 39 WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Rodale Institute. Since 1947, the Rodale Institute has been growing the organic movement through research, farmer training, and consumer education. Learn more about local events, workshops, and tours at rodaleinstitute.org. The Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from Rodale Institute Radio at the studios of WLVT in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later, preen. What if your landscaper wants to preen your landscape? We'll tell you about the many dangers and zero benefits when we get to the question of the week. In the meantime, it's everybody's favorite cats and kittens. It's phone call day. At 833-727-9588, Patty, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thanks. Well, thank you, Patty. How you doing? I'm great. And where is Patty great?
3: I'm in Mill Creek or Salt Lake City, Utah.
0: Oh, okay. Well, can, what, what uh, you can actually split into two different beings? You can be into two different places? Or well, is...
3: I'm not in the city. I'm in a suburb, an East Bench suburb of the city.
0: Okay. And thank God you're not in the Great Salt Lake, right?
3: That's true. I'd be floating. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) I guess that's good for one picture, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. That's about all a local does is go goes out maybe once in their life.
0: Yeah. So what can we do for Patty in Utah?
3: So I have a wisteria that I'm pretty sure is uh, original to the home. Mm -hmm. Um, The home was built in about fifty three. And um, it's on, it was trained um, around a uh, railing on the front
0: porch. Has it destroyed the railing?
3: It has not. The railing was me- is metal.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it, uh, some Wisteria have taken down houses. So. It,
3: it hasn't destroyed the railing, um, but it did, um, there were, and it grew around the railing and then up and over. There was a juniper or a fetzer is what we column here in Utah, and then Mahonia. And that slowly, those two plants diminished as the wisteria scrambled over those two plants. And I've struggled with keeping it under control, but then trying to get it to bloom.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: But then this spring, uh, I noticed that the big stems that were wrapped around the railings are now rotting. And there were pieces that rotted completely, I could just, you know, touch them and they'd fall
0: apart, disintegrate. Patty, this is the reverse of what we normally hear. There are thousands of listeners who want your phone numbers so they can figure out how you killed your wisteria, <laughs> you know.
3: Well, unfortunately, some people might not want to know that one of the reasons might be rats.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Rat, cause, there you go. Wasn't that a Frank Zappa album? Rats. <laughs> rats ate my wisteria?
3: Maybe. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that's the cause or if it's just age or if I made the mistake of always trimming the new growth and never touching the old growth where I probably should have done the opposite. Started right. I should have been wrapping around the new growth around the railing.
0: Well, no, you, you don't have to help with Wisteria. Wisteria will wrap itself around you. If you stood still long enough, wisteria I have an, um over the fence in my backyard, and it has actually taken down trees um, like a martial artist. It, it has sent those tendrils—you know—they can get really woody yeah. up into a tree, and it has pulled evergreens to the ground. They're out there crying, telling me the wisteria stole their lunch money, gave them a wedgie, you know. So what do we got here? So we got some dead parts and a wisteria that's still alive in areas and that's never bloomed for you.
3: It has bloomed for me. It did bloom this year. I got about 10. Okay. And one year that I was going to have the most blooms ever because I was better about the pruning, about the five leaves back or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That year we got a late frost. We're notoriously known for because I'm right up against the mountains, that we'll get a late frost. So I lost all the blooms
0: that year. Well, at least it wasn't your fault.
3: True, true. So, um, and I was impatient and already went ahead and cut out all the dead.
0: Good, good. Um, There's never any reason not to remove dead limbs from any plant. Um, The pruning advice I give about never pruning in the fall uh, does not, include dead wood. Dead wood should always come out um, for two reasons. First, it could spread. It could rot out the good wood. And second, it makes you look like a better gardener not to have that dead stuff in there.
3: So now I want to know what should I do to rejuvenate because I do want it Mm because it creates, it's on my west side Mm -hmm. and so it creates some shade for my big picture window, which is nice, and then the blooms are gorgeous, so I oh, wanna yeah. know how I can rejuvenate.
0: Okay, so I want you to look up an article that originally appeared in the Washington Post. It was written by my good friend Adrian Higgins, who is the um, essentially the editor of the living section, the plant section of the Washington Post, and he's a, a brilliant guy. And he did this hilarious article about different methods of inducing uh, wisteria to bloom, the most interesting of which was to take a shovel and excavate a couple of feet of soil around the base of the plant where it comes out of the ground, and then take a metal chain and whip it. Whip it around that exposed root. I mean, you can dress up in, in any kind of outfit you want when you do this. You can use gardening uh, clothes. It, that, that's between you and um, whatever's going on in Utah. But um, abuse is the answer. Um, heavy pruning. Uh, I think Adrian describes a pruning regimen of five times a year. You know, uh-huh. not, not little pruning of where you're cutting, cutting back to five buds or something like that. But first you put on your dominatrix outfit, um, which will get the, the your fellow Utahians uh, talking, and you beat the heck out of this root system. Then you cover it up, and then you begin this progression of five yearly prunings. It's all, And wisteria is totally outside my rules, too because you need to prune it at the wrong time of year. And what you're doing here is you're trying to stimulate um, the blossoming instinct. Uh, Plants will produce flowers for two reasons. One, some plants will produce the flowers because they're really happy. Plants like wisteria, whose aim is to actually conquer the globe, climb up the stairs of the Empire State Building and pull it down, they don't care about flowering unless they feel stressed, unless they feel endangered. And, you know, digging up part of the root and whipping it with a metal chain and then hacking away at the plant can sometimes make it um, feel a little threatened. There are other people who will take a hatchet and they will just chop away at different parts of the plant. This is the opposite of almost any other plant care. Um, But the article is famous. If you go to um, our website, youbetyourgarden.org, and you click on the link for the 500 Garden Answers and look up Wisteria, at least in the past we had a link uh, to the article by Adrian Higgins. But it is so popular, I bet if you search Adrian Higgins Wisteria Washington Post, I bet you the article will come up. Um, I've had people tell me they didn't believe it, but they were sick of looking at this plant for 20 years without a bloom. They abused the heck out of it, and then it was covered in flowers the next year. So this is not only a gardening technique that's slightly unusual. Think about the therapy that this is. How many of us would like to dig up the soil around somebody's roots and whack them with a chain until they, you know, got some sense in them? And now you can do it to a plant.
3: Okay, well, maybe I won't I won't curse the rats then.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, they're all, That's the reason you got the flowers.
3: Because <laughs> they they're right by the roots.
0: Well, you be careful about them too. You should trap and destroy them. Um, they are not safe to have around. Oh, they're okay. <laughs> no, they're okay. What do you, what do you name them? Uh, paint letters on their sides and have races you? Know?
3: Well, I just I try to just let let be. Live live and let be.
0: Uh-huh. Ancient enemy of mankind would love to get you off the planet and you're being nice to them. Okay. <laughs> Must be something in that high atmosphere of yours.
3: So I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be in trouble that I cut back
0: oh, as no, much you, as I did. No, no, no. Uh, the only rule for pruning wisteria is stop with the baby steps. You know. Okay. All right.
3: Okay, but beautiful. That makes me feel a lot better about what I went ahead and already did. And Yeah.
0: And send us pictures of you whipping the chain around the roof. Okay. <laughs>
3: okay. I'll have to rent some outfits.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. All right, Patty, thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Little box, little box,
2: little box, 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 little box in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box, in a box. A
4: box. A little box
1: little box little box little box little box little box little box little little box little bug, little box little bug, little bug, little bug. Little bug, little bug 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 little
0: bug little bug little bug well things are finally heating up outside and gardening is great the flowers are blooming the veggies are ripening And all sorts of problems are coming up, aren't they? That's why you need to call 833-727-9588 and ask me, your host, Mike McGrath, what to do on the next You Bet Your Garden. Florence, welcome to You Bet Your Garden.
4: Hi, it's nice that you took my call today.
0: Well, thank you for making it, Florence. How are you? I'm great. And where is Florence great?
4: I'm calling in the beautiful Pinelands area, Chemung, New Jersey.
0: Oh, in the Pines, where where very little grows.
4: Yes, that's
0: true. Yeah. Um, boy, I don't know about every year, but that was one of the most tick-infested places I ever visited. We camped out there, and we got, uh, we got freaked out. <laughs>
4: true. It's true.
0: All right. Well, um, I'm sure you're stalwart against these... Uh, these problems that life throws at you. What can we do for you today, Flo?
4: Okay, being in the shade, I'm very pleased that we do have a grapevine over a small entrance type arbor.
0: Oh, those are great. That is the absolute best way to grow a grapevine. I was at uh, Historic Smithville Park just recently doing my annual talk there. They have a big open day and they have the most beautiful and ancient grape arbor, and it can be a hundred degrees outside, and you walk down that lane with the big grape leaves all all around you, the temperature drops 20 degrees instantly, and at the right time of year, you can just reach up and pick grapes. Right,
4: we've had, um, I had planted two, and one survived, and it's come back every year in the midst of these tall oak trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, this year, it seems to be fighting something different. Okay. I looked at the leaves, and they look like lace. Okay. Uh, and I looked at the underside, and there's a small, really small caterpillar that oh. seems to be feasting.
0: Okay. Typically, lace-like leaves on grapevines would be Japanese beetles. Um however i have not seen any japanese beetles yet this season flying around they like my roses and raspberries but i know they love grapevines so your problem should be easy if this is a true caterpillar uh you can spray the vines with a very safe product called bt now bt and don't worry you don't have to remember this part bt stands for bacillus thuringiensis um and luckily, you don't have to remember that, because all garden centers carry BT, and everybody knows what it is. At retail, it has brand names like thoricide, Dipel is the biggest one, or a Green Step. For instance, if you just ask for Dipel, they'll give you BT. This is a naturally occurring soil organism. You would spray it on uh, the leaves of your plants that are under attack, and The only thing it will affect was any caterpillars that take a bite out of that sprayed leaf. It is super specific. It can't harm pets, people, dogs, frogs, toads, wombats, anything like that. Um, And it's very specific for caterpillar pests. So if you, and the nice thing, about it attacking a grapevine. Grapevines typically put on more leaves than they need, and at some point in the season, especially a wet season like we're experiencing now, people will need to be removing some of the leaves. That's why there's so many um, grape uh, grape leaf recipes in the parts of the world where grapes originated. Early on, they learned to prevent disease. You had to pull off some of the leaves as it got cluttered in there. So. For you to lose a couple of leaves early in the season, it is not going to affect your harvest one bit.
4: Okay, I haven't seen any um, Japanese beetles either, and our area did use the BT spray when we had infestation of uh, gypsy moths.
0: Oh, okay, yes, that's right. That is that's the exact same material. That's correct. That and I praise every municipality that uses a BT to control gypsy moths as opposed to spraying um, chemical pesticides. It's a really great way to try to tackle a serious problem.
4: Okay, thank you very much for uh, your information.
0: And good luck to you and everybody who's listening who's thinking about growing grapes, I often forget how work-free a grape barber can really make the the cultivation of grapes. And um, you know, it's just a fabulous place to be on a hot day.
4: Okay. Thanks again, Mike. And we followed you over to thirty nine or eighty as it is on our T V.
0: Oh, thank you so uh, much. Yes, it is a great pleasure to be here at WLVT, I love the people I work with. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that I will appear at the beautiful Chautauqua Institute in upstate New York to give a talk about pollinators during the Institute's Comedy Week on Monday, July 29th. Are they trying to tell me something? But don't go looking for all the details at the events section of our website just yet because we'll be right back to get all preened up and take more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at PBS39 WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio at WLVT in Bethlehem, PA. And I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we are in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we'll get to the question of the week about the dangers of preem, especially on aquatic creatures, which includes our wonderful lightning bugs. But before that, we're going to lighten things up with a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 833-727-9588. Celeste, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Celeste. How are you?
5: I'm doing all right. How about you?
0: I am just ducky, thanks for asking. Where is Celeste all right?
5: I am in Philadelphia. I am gardening in Graduate Hospital, living in Point
0: Breeze. Um, Very good. So uh, you're a city gardener. What can we do you for?
5: Well, I'm in a community garden uh, and we have a situation going on. We have a cat who has started hanging out in our garden space. We have a pond there that has frogs and fish and I think the cat likes to uh, watch and catch some fish. The cat also likes to use our plots as its litter box. Okay. So right now I'm, I'm dealing with trying to keep this cat out of my vegetable garden.
0: Gotcha. So uh, the best studies I've seen um, don't show urban cats eating fish at all, even if there's like a pond nearby or something like that. Um, this cat is probably eating vermin. Uh, it's eating mice for sure, it's eating voles, and it's probably trying to catch rats while they're still babies. So, um, yeah, and oddly enough, the studies show the closer you get to the center of a city, the fewer birds. Uh, fall prey to cats. So the, you know, everything falls into your favor because you certainly don't want rats and mice in the garden, but it is a pain in the butt. Now, um, how big is your plot?
5: 10 feet by 12 feet.
0: Oh, okay. So it's not a true raised bed. You have to walk around in it.
5: Well, it is a raised bed, yes, but No, I... to be
0: to be a true raised bed, it can't be any wider than four feet, because the benefit ah, okay. of a raised bed is your big feet. Not that I'm judging that your feet are <laughs> size 12 or anything like that.
5: They're not. They're not.
0: Um, oh, 13. Jeez, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> at, anyway, the big one of the big benefits of a raised bed, you never step in it, never needs to be tilled, the soil stays nice, good fairies live there. Anyway, no, um, for
5: sure. yeah. one of
0: the first things that people try when they have a cat roaming around is they go out and they buy a roll of chicken wire and they roll the chicken wire over top of their garden bed while it's empty. Um, and then just press it gently into the soil, and then you get a pair of wire cutters, and anytime you want to install a plant, like a tomato or a pepper, you just cut a little bit of the chicken wire away. But if you're sowing uh, the seeds of things like lettuce, beans, peas, you can just sow that right in it. Cats will not use soil if they can't scratch up the soil after they're done. hide the the feces and protect the species. And the chicken wire prevents them from doing it. Now, I realize we're a little deep in the season right now, but you can take a look at that and you can maybe figure out, maybe you're just gonna have to do a lot of cutting. You're gonna have to do a lot of sectional designs, Uh, but you can do this. Um, You can actually do this right now. Uh, At this time of year, Typically, you don't want to disturb tomato plants. But things like peppers, um, eggplant, you know, with all the rain we've been having, I, I can't see any reason you can't dig those up, put the stuff down, and replant. Um, very important for you to wear gloves at all time in right. the garden because you don't want to be touching that fecal matter. Right. It It is a danger to you. It's really not a danger to the vegetables or anything. It doesn't make your food unsafe to eat unless we're talking about lettuce and there's poop right there or something like that and it's touching now,
5: so in the area where i mean this cat tends to like to go back to the same place unless it's blocked off gotcha so the area where it has been using should i dig up all that dirt and replace it with some fresh compost and stuff? Uh, do I need to kind of...
0: It, it certainly idiots. wouldn't hurt, uh, right. but it you, the most important thing is to stop it. Now, I know a lot of people think this is silly, but back when I was the editor of Organic Gardening Magazine, we heard from a lot of people who had success in just giving up and getting one of those litter boxes with a cover on it, you know, when you've got multiple cats in the house and the cat that wants some privacy.
5: Yeah, I did think about that.
0: And you buy a big 50-pound bag of a bulk, cheapest um, kitty litter you can, and everybody takes turns cleaning it out one day. Um, it has been our experience that cats will prefer a litter box uh, to the soil. There's also, yeah. there's also other things you can do. Um, one gardener swore to me back in the day that they went into Chinatown and bought like a giant plastic bag filled with chopsticks, like 300 chopsticks. And they lined the outside of the, of the garden bed with this like little Maginot line or tiny wall of Kong. Yeah. And it, it confused the cats and they wouldn't like push them over or jump in or anything
5: right okay
0: there's also a lot of other folklore stuff for keeping cats out of the garden but really it giving them their own litter box and or the chicken wire which is very inexpensive right. um, so you know maybe you try the litter box this year and then next year as you're getting your garden ready you just lay the chicken wire down before you do anything else
5: okay you know I, I may try a two-prong approach Do the litter box plus put down some chicken wire where I can. I mean, I still have a lot of small seedlings like the beets and stuff, so it's going to be hard for me to kind of move them into the grid there. But okay, so when we're dealing with
0: this, when we're dealing with this, um, perhaps you can get the chicken wire and not press it into the soil, but make like a little cage. You know, like in all the high schools in downtown Philly, they got they got basketball courts on the roof and they they got them caged up. Do that for your uh, for your beats and stuff. Make a physical barrier around that area. You know, just the important thing is to get that roll of chicken wire and start improvising this season. But, you know, now next year, you know exactly what to do.
5: Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Mike.
0: Oh, well, thank you. It is a very common problem and it drives people crazy. All right, as promised, it's time for the question of the week. The wonderful world of herbicides. Linda writes, we moved to the eastern shore of Maryland about three years ago. I have a question about fireflies and other important organisms that reside here. Will herbicides mess up the natural balance of their habitat? We live on about four acres, part of which is a brackish pond behind our house. We have nice landscape beds and trees that need mulching every year or so. This is the first time we're paying someone to do it. They mentioned using preen and I immediately said no. I would like to know if preen is harmful and what alternative I can use. Well, Linda, you don't say what kind of mulch you have, but wood mulches can be extremely problematic, with dyed mulch being the absolute worst. Those dyes could be disguising the fact that the original material included construction debris, arsenic and creosote pressure-treated wood, and or insecticide-soaked pallets. I hope that you're using pine straw or pine fines instead. The preferred mulch down south, pine straw, is attractive, prevents weeds, retains soil moisture, and it doesn't breed the nasty fungal spores that love to colonize shredded wood. Okay, now about preen. Preen is a company name and not a specific item, but most of their products are pre-emergent herbicides, sometimes combined with chemical plant food to make, quote, weed and feed. Although they do offer one product for vegetable gardens, the majority of their market is in lawn care. So if your mulchers aren't being paid to take care of the lawn, it's safe to assume that they want to sprinkle preen on the mulch to prevent future weed growth. Now, it's important to remember that all pre-emergent herbicides only prevent weed seeds from sprouting. They have no effect on existing weeds. So unless this mulch was somehow contaminated with lots of weed seeds, it would seem to be a waste of time and an invitation to ecological disaster. The most common ingredient in preen products is an herbicide known as trifluralin. Wiki tells us that 14 million pounds of this stuff is applied to American landscapes every year and that it's been banned for use in the European Union since 2004 because of its devastating effects on marine life. The package for one trifloraline product, which is called Preen Extended Weed Control, contains the warning this product is extremely toxic to all forms of fish, including freshwater, ocean going, and species that live in estuaries. A different product, Preen Lawn Weed Control, comes with the same cautions about fish and amphibian kills, but the first listed active ingredient on this one is the notorious 2,4-D. That's one of the ingredients that was used in the infamous Agent Orange herbicide used to destroy the jungles of Vietnam. As we speak, tens of thousands of Vietnam vets are finally on the verge of being compensated for cancers related to their exposure to that witch's brew of herbicides. Medical studies also link 2,4-D to very specific cancers, specifically non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in male dogs and agricultural workers. Now, the labels warn that it's illegal to use these products on vegetable gardens, and the extended weed control also warns against using it on lawns. But the one allowed for use on lawns is the one that contains 2,4-D, the herbicide directly linked to cancers in male dogs. Come on! I should mention that Preen does market one non-lethal pre-emergent, Preen Natural Weed Preventer, which contains 100% corn gluten meal. Now, because their chemical herbicides have been shown to kill fish and amphibians, as have the Roundup family of herbicides, they are forbidden for use near water. And with Linda's property being on the notoriously high water table of the eastern shore, and containing a pond, it would be tragic to use chemical herbicides. You'd be killing the frogs and toads that do an amazing job of pest control. And the fireflies, Linda mentions, breed in wet areas. Herbicides certainly aren't going to do them any good. Dragonflies also breed in wet areas. Some species spend years living in water in their larval form. And adult dragonflies are the best controller of the mosquitoes that plague the eastern shore in the summer. So thank you, Linda, for just saying no. You live in a fragile and wonderfully diverse ecosystem. And one of the best ways to keep it healthy is to avoid the use of all toxic pesticides, especially herbicides, which cause the most damage in wet environments. Now, what about alternatives? It depends on the problem. If these workers are concerned about weeds growing in the mulch later on, they could apply corn gluten meal without any harm to the environment. But weeds generally aren't a problem in mulch. The best defense against weeds in lawns is to keep the grass healthy with a 3-inch high cut, a super-sharp blade, and clippings returned to the turf. For the occasional job of spot weeding, nothing beats a mix of hand-pulling and use of the original herbicide. It's called a hoe, cats and kittens. There are many types of hoes. My favorites include the winged weeder, which has a triangular head with super sharp edges, and the winged weeder junior. Same shape, same sharpness, but much smaller for precise slicing off of weeds growing right next to your plants. I also like the collinear hoe. It has a super sharp blade that's rectangular and replaceable. So, look sharp, stay sharp. Well, that sure was some timely advice about the dangers of herbicides, now, wasn't it? Luckily, you can read the details at your leisure, or leisure, whichever you have, because the Question of the Week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the Question of the Week at our website, which is still and will forever be YouBetYourGarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at the Garden's Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to preen my potatoes if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588 or send us your email. You're tired, you're poor, you're wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. And please tell us where your garden is located. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, and links to our podcast. It's all at our website, YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly. By Rodale Institute Radio in association with WLVT, PBS 39 in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by Harold and Nancy McGrath. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda McGrath. Please check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick is our associate producer of Production Association. Our website wonder is Anastasia Wackerly. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our floor manager, John DeSantis. Can be found on YouTube conducting a symphony orchestra playing the music of Godzilla. Our harassed and harried director, Javier Diaz, prefers King Kong. Ace cameraman, Jeff Frederick says, let them fight. Fighting mad, Ron Rouchet is our director of Underwriting. Our marketing madman is Jaunty Jim McDonald. Our chief techno officer, Andy Cummins says, where is Rodan when we need him? Oh no, a gigantic, somewhat prehistoric flying monster has taken Zack the Tack out of the house our CEO, Tim Fallon, sagely notes, somebody clock out, Zach. I would do it, but I'm late for a meeting, and I'm not your executive producer. That may be true, but I'm the real king of the monsters, Mike McGrath, and I'll be sure to hold our weekly card game with Mothra and the Smog Monster in a bigger room before I see you again next week. Hey, Mothra, enough with the wings, girl. That was our last set of cards. And Smoggy, how many times do I have to tell you? No smoking indoors. No smoking. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? Ready? Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy.
2: Loyal Partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org
0: summertime and the living ain't easy. Well, I'm sorry for the off key singing, but I'm Mike McGrath and on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden, I'll explain how you can help your poor plants survive the most torrid times. Plus your torrid phone calls.